Professor Tina Fetner, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Professor, first of all, we had this uh, ceremony in Poland at the Auschwitz camp, and a lot of the elderly survivors were saying that they were concerned that the message of of hate and anti-Semitism was being forgotten by young people nowadays. So just to clarify, for example, what is the state of anti-Semitism in Canada right now? Yeah, well, I think it's a bit of a puzzle because on the one hand, I think in Canada there's a lot of agreement that anti-Semitism and other forms of hate are abhorrent. We have very high levels of tolerance across all kinds of social issues, including support for Jewish people and their faith. On the other hand, along the margins, uh, we we see a rise in anti-Semitic incidents, including a rise in anti-Semitic rhetoric, uh, hate crimes targeting Jewish people, and uh, interpersonal attacks, for example, against people on the street. How do we measure what constitutes a hate crime or an attack or anything like that? Well, this is one of the things we really could improve on. Uh, We just learned recently that uh, police departments across the country don't have a single standard that they use to understand what is a hate crime, and they don't have a same kind of threshold for what is reportable, so that when uh, statistics are reported up to the federal level, different locations across the country are reporting differently. Now, for example, if somebody, young people are walking down the street and they come across a young Jewish person and they knock their kepi, their skull cap off, is is that a hate crime or is that just youth being youthful and and ignorant kind of thing that they might do to some other person? Right. This is a a really excellent question because... um, you know, on the one hand, the person, the perpetrator, right, might be ignorant of the full contextual, you know, history of anti-Semitism. On the other hand, the effect of being a Jewish, a visibly Jewish person walking down the street and and having that happen to you does invoke the full history of that anti-Semitic context. And so even when uh, you have somebody who's, you know, kind of what we characterize as a dumb teenager, the impact of their actions are still very profound, I think. So on the one hand, it may not be performed as a hate crime, but it will be constituted by the victim as a hate crime. Yeah, I think uh, it would be different depending on, you know, this is where these kind of reporting standards will really be useful, mm-hmm. right? If we just had one understanding of what a hate crime is, um, you know, I think that then we could use that to make sure that everybody um, knew. I think we also need to um, really be educating, uh, especially younger generations. But I think it's also important to remind older generations that maybe weren't, you know, that only heard about the Holocaust, that only heard about World War II and didn't live it themselves. This is our responsibility now to take this on and to keep educating people into the future. Getting back to the original message from some of these survivors who were at that uh, 75th ceremony in in Auschwitz, uh, what's the situation beyond Canada's borders? Right. Well, one of the things that um, is we're trying to draw this connection, right, that if we, you know, we haven't uh, fortunately seen uh, the kind of uh, targeted attacks on Jewish synagogues like we saw in Pittsburgh Tree Tree of Life Synagogue, where, um, you know, uh, 11 people were killed and more were wounded. In the United States, we've seen anti-Semitic attacks um, across the country, from California to New Jersey, against Orthodox communities in Brooklyn, New York, 
And so the violence that is connected to hateful rhetoric is the kind of um, connection that it's important to make so that we don't just dismiss it as not important or not serious because um, these connections are obviously there. They have a whole history, and the Holocaust survivors are trying to remind us of that history. The idea that it happened once, so therefore it can happen again, is a really important one for us all to keep in mind. Is there any sense of, of why the Jewish community is being targeted generally? I think that it is just simply a matter of uh, this kind of long-standing historic oppression. It's a, the conspiracy theories uh, are out there in the world, false understandings of power dynamics, and they're easy to grab onto if you have a person who is um, angry or hateful. It's a handy trope to grab onto, and unfortunately, it's really important for us all to understand that those conspiracy theories are false and harmful and connected to incidents like the Holocaust. Well, Professor Fetner, is it a case where people are just stupidly uninformed in that the Jewish community has given us some of the most famous popular Christmas songs, for example, some of the best entertainment, <laughs> some of the best music and plays, and some of the best advances in science and in, in health care, for example? Are people just uninformed beyond belief? I think that is probably the most generous way to approach uh, the rise in anti-Semitism. But I do see, we do see uh, people who are um, doing research on targeted hate of all kinds uh, see that there are actually activists who are purposely trying to mobilize um, people against uh, Jewish groups, against, uh, for example, immigrants, against um, LGBTQ communities, and that this is purposeful and active, and some people might be duped into following, but that there is kind of a dark activism going on um, in this kind of world of extreme hate. Is it possible that the anonymity of the Internet is contributing to this? Well, it definitely is creating a space that is difficult for um, people to intervene in, people who care and want to you know, correct the wrong stories that are out there, for example. In an anonymous forum, you can say anything is true and somebody's going to believe you. The other thing that the rise of social media has done is to really create a venue for um, for attacking people that didn't exist previously. Um, uh, social media like Twitter, for example, um, people make a fake account, uh, attack a bunch of Jewish people, and close the account, and Twitter um, really can't do too much about it or hasn't taken a very strong interest in doing anything about it. And so uh, social media definitely is a part of this story, but of course, obviously, anti-Semitism has a much longer history. So what can we do about it? I think um, things like this, right, drawing attention to it, really thinking about what our values are, and then I think that we need to keep educating, and I think we need to keep an eye on um, the rise of hateful rhetoric and make sure that we're all clear um, that that's not acceptable. I think we need to be willing to move away from a bystander into somebody that provides interventions, both uh, just in, among everyday people, but also among our leadership. Professor Tina Fetner, thank you so much for this. Thanks for having me.